welcome to this episode of our podcast everyone we dedicated this episode to talk about the volatility that the cryptocurrency market has been facing in the past week and there's two reasons in particular that we covered which may give you a little bit of context as well as covering the philosophy that we have for holding bitcoin and not really selling during these times and not being bothered by it so we talked about uh, why we don't think this is big even if there is a 20% drop in the price of bitcoin and we talked about what you can expect in the future of um, the life of bitcoin in particular uh, towards the end we did cover very little about other cryptocurrencies but mostly this episode is dedicated to talk about the volatility of bitcoin and uh, we also covered a little bit about influencers in the space that you may follow to um, just learn about what's what's taking place in the space. And an individual by the name of Len Sassaman, who Keegan wrote a newsletter about earlier, but he had a very um, emotional, strong emotional reaction to this particular episode he listened to. So we covered that um, a touch. And yeah, it was a really good episode for us to record we um, went on a couple tangents but i believe that they'll all be very beneficial and useful for you to learn more about what is happening in the cryptocurrency space so without further ado let's dive in The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. All right, Keegan, to hodl or not to hodl? That's the question. That is indeed. Uh, for our listeners who haven't uh, heard of us using the term hodl before, it stands for hold on with dear life for dear life for dear life not with dear life i don't know i don't know what that would mean <laughs> don't you hold on to something with life hold on for dear life no you hold on for, for, dear, for dear life yes <laughs> oh my gosh okay well hodl it essentially means that you hold bitcoin yeah it's an acronym h-o-d-l but i'm now realizing that the f isn't in the middle there it's not hofdel right <laughs> hold on for dear life yeah but usually acronyms don't have like, like those conjunctions are, in them. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say adverb, but I don't think that's right. Anyway. Grammar's not our, our strongest. <laughs> We're gonna stick to cryptocurrency. Apparently not. So <laughs> yeah, well, Bitcoin has been quite volatile in this past week, and so has the rest of the cryptocurrency market, except uh, like Ethereum. Yeah, Ethereum hit an all-time high. Yeah, yesterday. So we're filming this on what is this? April twenty-third. Yeah. And April 22nd was quite the bloody day for most of the cryptocurrency market, Bitcoin included. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you who are wondering, there was an actual reason for why this particular dump did, they, did take place. If you have been following the news, um, there were some power outages in China where a lot of the hashing power or the computing power that keeps the Bitcoin secure is situated. And uh, because of these power outages, there was essentially a panic sell by a couple mining groups. Is that a prediction though? Or is oh, that... the panic sell wasn't necessarily from the miners. It was from, okay. from the, well, the people that are holding that maybe doesn't necessarily understand the, well, that uh, a whole section of the Bitcoin network can go offline and it doesn't affect the, the integrity 
of the Bitcoin network. That's the point of it being decentralized in the first place. Right. So what? Like what? But then, do we know whether or not miners that were holding or holding Bitcoin did sell their Bitcoin into the market because of the knows. tower? Yeah, that's true. Willie Wu is someone that we we haven't really like heard him say anything about that yet, or if he has, we haven't. I don't remember it. Yeah, I haven't seen him say anything about it. But he, he's a uh, he's known as the on-chain analyst in the the Bitcoin space, and he uh, puts together all sorts of metrics and analytics on on uh, well he follows the bitcoin through the blockchain and so he knows when bitcoin goes onto an exchange or comes off an exchange into cold storage for example so i feel like he would know the, the answer to whether or not uh miners um dumped their bitcoin yeah well the, willie where we follow him <laughs> diligently in this chat up this group that we're in but if you were to follow him on instagram sorry not instagram twitter, uh, twitter yeah there's a lot of fake profiles of him on twitter That's as true. well yeah um so just make sure that you're following the correct one anyone who talks about cryptocurrency will never ask you for money true this is really important for you to know anytime you find someone to follow that you like even us for example like i've had a fake profile made of me on instagram and then message all of my friends through the fake profile, asking them to invest in some cryptocurrency. I would never do that to you. I would never personally message you and say, hey, I've got this new thing. Have you thought of investing in it? Give me your money. Just not going to happen. Right. So when you look for Willy Wu, just, uh, I, I don't even, I don't know what his handle is, but just make sure that you're following the right Willy Wu. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah. The other so, thing that like possibly yeah, exactly. dropped the price of, of uh, Bitcoin, like, I, I don't know, this is what Google says. And I kind of just like to take it with a grain of salt because as much as one event triggers the, the, the fall of Bitcoin or the fall of cryptocurrencies in general, uh, this is just the flow of the market, right? A 20, 25, 30% drop in any cryptocurrency is like, you should not really, it, it's not unexpected, right? You should expect these kinds of, this kind of volatility. And you are in a wild west market if you're trading or investing in cryptocurrencies. So it's not out of the ordinary for this to happen. Uh, that being said, Google says that Joe Biden um, is announcing to double, <laughs> double taxes for people who earn more than a million dollars in America. If I remember that correctly, please uh, reach out to us if we don't have that quite correct, because it was a headline. I didn't read into the article, but uh, we're just going to look this up as, as I'm rambling on here. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of insane. And what that might mean is that, OK, uh, people suddenly might have a tax bill in 2021 that they weren't expecting. And so they want to exit the asset in order to make sure, asset being Bitcoin, to make sure that they have uh, enough money to pay their taxes in the, the 2020, 2021 year. What did you find, Ruga? It looks like it's a... Oh, yeah. So fact check. Biden will only tax capital gains at 40% for those earning over $1 million annually. Right on. So that's the headline on this... Uh, on routers.com we can link it to uh in the show description we haven't by the way very often headlines do not tell the whole story <laughs> tell the whole story or even like are not a very good depictor of what the entire article is going to be about so it's just even take what i just read with a grain of salt and don't don't trust what i've said please verify for yourself so yeah actually we i did read that correctly so i'm just looking at this article now and right now people pay a 50, either a 15% long term capital gains tax or a 20% long term capital what gains tax what does long term tax. mean uh it's probably defined in a particularly legal way that i i'm actually not prepared to to talk about i have no idea what long term means in this context 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Germany, if you hold your any crypto asset for more than a year, you pay zero capital gains on it. Well, I'm wondering if, you know, if it's 20% long-term capital gains for someone earning more than $441,000. Yep. Uh, like, what does long-term mean? Does that mean you pay for, like, for the next five years? Or, like, how does that calculate it? Because if, without the word long-term... Anyway, that's something that we just have to figure out later, but right. there might that might be a little caveat right there. So yeah, that's the second reason is because of this particular uh, news blast, news, whatever. What is this called? Just news. News. <laughs> right. <laughs> just we news. just call this news, actually. Um, th- those are like two of the reasons that we can think of for people not wanting to, I don't even know, like, can you say not wanting to make too much money so that they don't have to pay too much tax? No, that's that's not necessarily what I think is going on. Uh, like more so than that, I think people like people have different strategies for dealing with tax. Some people like to have that money set aside, so when tax season comes around, they have the money already ready to go. Some people like to try to earn money on their tax. Uh, so let's just say that someone has a bunch of money in in the United States. They've got it in Bitcoin. Maybe some of that money technically belongs to the government, and uh, they want to not have that at risk. Um, because their tax bill just went up, so they would take some of that out and uh, and keep it aside for, for the government. There's all sorts of nifty tax uh, tax schemes that you can employ. Yeah, for sure. I remember that we were one time on Clubhouse and someone talked about the Keykeeper Bitcoin IRA, and this applies especially to um, the people in the United States. Right, because... which happens to be a big portion of our audience now, thanks to Spotify. Yeah, um, and thanks to everyone who's listening. So... There's something about this here, and we'll again link it link it in the show description. Um, but if you can hold Bitcoin in an IRA or 401k and potentially remove all future appreciation from taxation. Yeah, which is sweet. And also, I was researching this website and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, fine. You can invest in Bitcoin, 401k, IRA, whatever. You probably can't self-custody your Bitcoin that is held this way. Um, and I was wrong. You can self-custody, which is awesome. So you can get tax-free gains on Bitcoin through this uh, through this website. Um, I'm, I think that you'll probably have to engage the individual or, or business that is uh, behind this website setting it up for you. But uh, that's worth it. That's totally worth it. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it says right here, because unlike most Bitcoin IRAs, our legal structure allows you to hold your own private keys, which at the end of the day determines the ownership over your bitcoin so yeah your keys for, your crypto yeah own your keys own your crypto for folks listening in from the usa uh, the website is keykeeperira.com and again we link it in the show description uh, in case you didn't catch that url yeah okay so those are you know some of the two reasons about volatility but this this morning i was thinking that volatility is actually so strong one of the it's one of the strongest um, features of Bitcoin is its volatility. How do you mean? Um, strengths instead of strongest feature, I would say. The reason why uh, volatility in Bitcoin is its strength, because to me, Bitcoin is a money. And if the price of Bitcoin kept going up consistently, it'd be too good to be true. It'd almost be too good to even even hold because nothing goes up forever. And what the volatility is a result of is it's the result of the sentiment of the people that are holding it. So that might be 
uh, because maybe they want to sell Bitcoin to convert into US dollars for whatever reason. Um, or I don't know, it's, you know, it's, it's testing people's reason to be in Bitcoin for the first, for if, oh my gosh, I'm having I'm a really like, hard time I'm completing to, this sentence. Yeah, I, I'm going to help you out here and I'm going to maybe take this in a semi-separate direction, but, uh, but keep it the same because I like this tangent that you're on. Um, I was, was listening to a podcast recently with Lex Friedman and Robert Breedlove, and I happen to really love Robert Breedlove. So if you haven't checked him out, go, go and do so. Uh, but he, he makes an argument that volatility in marketplaces is actually the truth. So when we see the US dollar so stable, that, that's, that is a bit of a lie. And so what we see with Bitcoin is a natural correction in the marketplace. Like you said, nothing can go up too quickly. Nothing can go up Not forever. Not too quickly, but it's more so consistency. Like I would be surprised if Bitcoin didn't have the 10 to 20% fluctuations in, in both directions. And right. um, like in mass media, you will hear it being called a speculation. Or and, a bubble. <laughs> or, well, sure, a bubble, but speculation on like the price of Bitcoin. But I just feel like it's people understanding the philosophy and the value proposition of Bitcoin. Uh, and that that is reflected in the price of Bitcoin, which is awesome because we know collectively what people are thinking of. And I think we, you know, I don't know why, um, I think it's psychological, but, you know, since December of last year, in the in the last four to five months, Bitcoin has had a massive gain in its price and its adoption. It, it's gone from 25,000 Canadian dollars to 80,000 Canadian dollars in a span of four months. And if, you know, we have a volatility of 20% or 20,000, I feel like that's totally, that's totally normal. It is normal, actually. And expected. Yeah, so I, I have this one reference chart that I like to look back at anytime I see a 20, 25, 30% drop. And it's just, uh, it's the 2017 bull run, but it, it, it looks at the price from $1,000, which where it is where it started, all the way up to 20,000 US, whereas where it ended. But all along the way, you saw, okay, 400% gain, that's a quadruple, and then a negative 30% drop, and then a 200% gain, and then a 30% drop, and then another 400% gain, and another 30% drop. You're like, okay, you know what? That's fine. I I want to see these corrections because ultimately it means that we're we're growing at a healthy rate and adoption is just it's on track. We're on track. Yeah, and it's also a correction of the people holding Bitcoin, right? Like Keegan, you and I are hodlers. We're hodlers. We, we're we're and we have the strategy of never sell Bitcoin. Diamond hands. Uh, but that's because we we know what that means for us, and we just consider Bitcoin to be money. It's not even an investment. Right. So for people that are coming into Bitcoin right now and they. Uh, hear news about the miners in China or they hear news about Joe Biden introducing this whatever that was. Um, <laughs> whatever that was, Biden. I, I don't even know. No, no, we don't no, know what you're doing there. No, but no, that's not what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure if that was news or, uh, you know, I, I don't Bud. know what to call it. Um, the point is that we just hold Bitcoin because we consider it to be money. And, you know, you wouldn't be, I don't know why people are scared about the purchasing power of their dollar going down very consistently over time in the past two years, like that would that would be a sort of panic situation. So it's like, oh, wow, I don't want to hold Canadian dollar. I want to sell it because uh, I'm going to be able to even like this philosophy of I will be able to buy more with my Canadian dollar later if I currently hold it in this other asset that is not going to depreciate in purchasing power over time. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, to hodl or not to hodl. Our philosophy is to hodl. And we are hodling because of what we believe Bitcoin to be. So if you've heard the past couple of episodes, you've, you may have heard me go, you know, a little bit on the skeptical side of, of, of Bitcoin of in general. Bitcoin, yeah, of us even, you know, doing Which what we're great. doing. It's tested me. Because uh, of the videos that I heard about, like, anyway, it's called Bitcoin, Healthy Bitcoin Skepticism. And it's the third or fourth last it's ever. actually all part of the journey like i went through my own period where i didn't like bitcoin at all because i thought it was environmentally unfriendly i thought it was like a slow lazy archaic technology uh which is like totally not the case i was definitely misguided by a variety of articles and uh i think it's really healthy to be skeptical about bitcoin but when you actually poke and prod it in those ways, uh, you find that it's actually got an answer for you. There are very intelligent reasons for, um, for virtually every aspect. Yeah, well, what you have to keep in mind is that you don't keep your let your bias get in the way. So True. you know, if you if you loved Bitcoin before, and then with the way that I looked at it was, I was taking a break <laughs> from Bitcoin because you know I loved it and I was blinded by it. I thought it was perfect. And then I realized that some aspects of it are just, you know, good to know about. It's, you know, some of its semi-weaknesses. So uh, I took a break. And then my relationship with Bitcoin transformed into something stronger now because of actually it all came together when I heard this one episode on the Magic Internet Money podcast with Brad Mills. And he was interviewing Jeff Booth, who is the author of The Future of Tomorrow. And this guy, this Jeff Booth, has been through and experienced the stagflation of the 70s and 80s because his parents went through it and the dot com bubble. The dot com bubble, yes, and the recession in 2008. So, from his perspective, like listening to his story and listening to what his parents have been through and why he believes in Bitcoin and why he believes Bitcoin to be the savior of our monetary system. He calls it the plan. Uh, so, a lot of people are calling it plan B. He's like, no, I don't like that. It's not plan B for the financial system. It is the plan. Yeah, it, it's it, the way that we move things forward in, yeah. in society. Yeah, and I also remember saying that this has to work. This is the savior. And, you know, I recommend and I urge you all to go listen to that episode and just generally listen to the Magic Internet Money podcast because it's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah we, we love the people that Brad gets on and Brad himself is super knowledgeable about so many things. I heard you say one thing there, Murga, and that was that uh, that Bitcoin's not perfect. And the thing, I, and you know, a lot of people have that critique of Bitcoin. It's like, okay, you don't need to think it's perfect. I don't think it's perfect. All you need to convince yourself is that it's better than the alternative. That's the only thing that you need. If it's better by a couple degrees, that still justifies when it's actually better by like 10 or 20 degrees, which is amazing. Um, but it's still not perfect, but it doesn't need to be. That's kind of the point. Yeah. And uh, I also just feel like um, believing that something is perfect is just so stupid because nothing can be perfect. Nothing is perfect. Right. Perfection is really an illusion. And if it is a state of being, then it is a very uh, passing, fleeting moment, momentary state, because nothing can remain perfect. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit more about hodling and just what that means from like a philosoph philosophical standpoint, because uh, it emerged out of Reddit, I think of all places, or maybe it was Bitcoin talk. I think it was Bitcoin talk, actually. I think it was one of the forums. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Reddit. And there was a drunk guy and he misspelled holding. 
uh, like I'm holding Bitcoin and yeah. it was during like a particularly big slump. It was like an 80 or 90% drop in the price of Bitcoin. I think it was when Bitcoin went from $600 to $100. Yeah. And that was in something like 2011, 2012, but yeah. he was drunk and he mistyped it. And then people, it just totally caught on. And this meme became a huge internet sensation in the Bitcoin community and almost a mantra of sorts. So when you see a t-shirt that says like hashtag HODL, H-O-D-L, uh, that's what it means. It's like, you know what, even through these, uh, these 20, 30, 40% drops, you got to keep on holding for a couple of reasons. One, you haven't uh, actually took a loss until you sell your Bitcoin. So your Bitcoin can still go up in price past the price where you bought it at and you can turn a profit on it slash you won't need to turn a profit on it if we're all using Bitcoin as money in 30 years. Right. That's uh, there's actually one quote ever that like it's uh, it's like Neo and Morpheus from uh, from the Matrix. And they say uh, something like in 50 years, uh, are you telling me that one Bitcoin can buy me a house? And then Morpheus says something like, no, what I'm telling you is that in 50 years, you can you won't need to sell your Bitcoin to buy a house. And I totally botched that. But yeah. that's the idea. <laughs> the idea is that you'll actually just be able to buy a house with Bitcoin instead of needing I, to sell I, it for Canadian dollars. I know what the meme is, Keegan. Okay. I, I got you. So That's um, the point of hodling, though. Neo, Neo says that. So you're telling me that I can sell my Bitcoin in 50 years for a a million dollars or insert arbitrary price and then morpheus says no neo i'm telling you in 50 years you won't have to oh uh, yeah you got it yeah that was wicked. the house part was uh was something that you may have inserted in that's been on my mind recently <laughs> yeah. we're trying to buy a house it's really hard um yeah so that's they are uh, hodling that's where the philosophy of hodling comes from and initially what you know when i got into bitcoin i also bought it as an investment because that's what i thought i was doing and then the more that's what you, you learn that's what I thought I was. And I'm sure that we have used that term even in this podcast, in some of our episodes yeah. before. But man, the more you learn, because there's always more to learn, the more you understand that it's not an investment. You're just opting into a different form of money that uh, that grows in purchasing power over time, as opposed to decreasing in purchasing power over time. So that's that. Uh, and that's about... Yeah, hodling. Well, I actually wanted to bring into um, uh, into conversation. the conversation Len Sassaman because you wrote a newsletter about him earlier this week, Keegan. But I was so um, um, taken away by the emotional reaction that you had <laughs> yeah. to the Bitcoin Audible about Len Sassaman. I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Cool. Yeah. So this was this is another podcast that I listen to regularly. It's Bitcoin Made Audible. Uh, you can just search that on any podcasting device or or application. And episode five one seven is uh, about this individual named Len Sassaman. And I have a particular fascination with Satoshi Nakamoto. I really enjoy thinking about who this individual was, who they could have been. Um, are they one person? Are they four people? Uh, what sequence of events led them to uh, to grow up and create Bitcoin? And it, it's just yeah, it's a rabbit hole all in of itself that like I have so much respect for the person that Satoshi Nakamoto is or may have been in the past. So this one uh, Bitcoin Audible podcast followed the life or it just like it shed light on the life of this individual named Len Sassaman. And he was an American individual that uh, that then lived in Europe later on in his life and contributed to the cypherpunk and cryptography scene uh, to the degree that Bitcoin 
uh, he directly contributed to the making of Bitcoin, whether or not he was Satoshi him, uh, themselves. Uh, that's still up for question, but the kind of work that he did definitely were the ingredients to Bitcoin. So a lot of people think that Bitcoin was invented in 2008 with the white paper and then implemented in 2009. But in reality, it's actually it's it's a three decade project in the making. So there were precursors to Bitcoin and there were all sorts of technologies that needed to be in place before Bitcoin could actually be invented before those pieces could be assembled in that unique way in 2009 um, when Satoshi wrote the code base and launched Bitcoin. And so that's what this whole piece is about. It follows the journey of Len and it says, okay, well, Len had uh, a fascination with economics. Len was a contributor in the cypherpunk community to uh, PGP, which is pretty good privacy, a precursor to, to Bitcoin. He helped uh, develop TCP IP, which is an internet protocol, like the base internet protocol, which, base, which Bitcoin is based on. Uh, he helped with public key cryptography and wrote exploits for public key cryptography, which means that he was really well versed in how to attack those systems, which also means he was really well versed in how to build secure public key cryptography systems. And I know this is kind of technical, but all of this goes to say that in order to build Bitcoin, you needed a very good understanding of um, of three things. You needed a well and good understanding in economics, in cryptography, and in peer-to-peer uh, -peer networking technology. And Len Sassman actually had all three of these. Yeah. So when you heard his story, what happened? Well, it was very emotional because Len Sassman took his own life uh, in 2011. And this was something I didn't know that uh, about in in the in the cypherpunk community, a lot of the cypherpunks uh, that would have went on to more than likely make big contributions to the field of privacy and security and uh, and freedom in general, take they took their own life, and so they they read this big list of people. Uh, many of the names that I actually recognize that that took their own life, and Len Sassman was one of them. He had. Uh, suffered from mental illness, obviously, and uh, also physical ailments that uh, that just caused him to have eventually too much pain to to live with. And coincidentally, it was uh, he took his life two months after Satoshi Nakamoto's last message on the internet, which is just one more thing that points to hey, like maybe maybe Satoshi was Len, and uh, and that's that's a sad story because this person I have so much respect for anyone who's contributed to the space of, of computer science, but uh, I just didn't know that there was <laughs> like, the list is huge for this guy. He, he's a literal genius. Uh, and his values are a lot, a lot of the values that this person has are, are values that I espouse to. Is that a word? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Thank you for sharing Keegan. Yeah. I went on a big rant there. Uh, that was I don't okay. Think, I don't think it was a rant. Um, but Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the reason why we wanted to do this episode on to hold or not to hold Bitcoin is because we are getting questions from a lot of our <laughs> friends uh, and asking us about what's up with Bitcoin. Yeah, quote, should I be worried? Yeah. <laughs> That's the most frequent question. I, well, um, you don't need to be worried, period. I. It's so strange. I don't feel worried when Bitcoin fluctuates because I expect it. This is not the last time this is going to happen, folks. This is going to continue ha continue to happen right. over the next six two months at least. So in how many months? I said six months. Okay, cool. 
Why? Did I, I say something else? It, it, it said like six, two months. <laughs> I heard six, I, two months. <laughs> <laughs> I think I wanted to say six to eight months and then I just missed the eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So if current trends continue, then for the next six to eight months, we're going to see more aggressive rise of Bitcoin. Uh, and then the, the two or three years after that is going to likely be a period of high volatility slash okay. trading sideways, which just means that Bitcoin trades within a band of like $20,000. Yeah, twenty or even fifty thousand dollars. So, yeah. again, for anyone buying Bitcoin, I mean, our plan is always a longer Total. term plan. Yeah. yeah, like we're not going to want to liquidate Bitcoin ever. Uh, but if we wanted to, we wouldn't want to, you know, do it in the next six months or whatever. I, this is like a 10, 20 year plan. And if you've been listening, then Keegan has mentioned before that this is his retirement plan uh, <laughs> our or our retirement or plan. Our retirement plan. <laughs> so um, yeah, expect more volatility. Don't let it get the best of you. Don't let it stress you out because it's not worth it. Yeah, don't lose sleep over it don't, yeah. like I am. <laughs> <laughs> Keegan, you're not helping. No, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, do you lose sleep over it? You have a long open. That's what you lose sleep over. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing a little bit more risky trades and... Uh, we're at risk of like losing money when Bitcoin goes down this much, uh, which is which which is fine as long as we balance the risk accordingly. Um, then we're fine. Yeah, you've also heard in previous episodes that Keegan is not a very good trader. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm yeah, getting much yeah, better. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we've been profitable recently. Um, yeah. So to hodl or not to hodl, we definitely recommend hodling. That's what we're doing. And that uh, once you buy Bitcoin and just hold it, you don't really have to pay attention to what's happening in the shorter term. Because think about what you're feeling right now. And then I uh, think about this feeling six months from now, um, just to like gauge what Bitcoin is going to do to you over the next how much, however long you have Bitcoin for. Right. Um, it's not it's not worth the stress so yeah if you have any questions about that please feel free to message us email us at ready at gofoldcrypto.com if you're feeling stressed don't worry about it please email us and say you're feeling stressed we'll do what we can to ease your stress i i meant just realized that we didn't talk about any other cryptocurrencies in this episode we said oh, ethereum yeah. one time that's true but like if you're a holder of other cryptocurrencies I actually don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you either because they are investments. Like I look at other cryptocurrencies and, as investments and Bitcoin is money to me. Very right. clear distinction. And I have a lot of confidence that over a 10 year time span, Bitcoin's A going to be around and B go up. Th those are my like two investment theses. Yeah, go up with respect to what it's being traded at. Yeah, go right? up in terms of price. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I really can't ha say with as much confidence that Dogecoin is going to be around and go up in the future. I have no idea if, what, if that's going to be the case or not. Do not doubt the memers Don't doubt on the, the internet. Yeah, well, it's just speculation anyway. Like, that's what I would say is speculation, because that Dogecoin really isn't... There's nothing valuable behind it. <laughs> How it's, dare you? It's, well, a, it's a niche internet cryptocurrency, Muruga. I, there's nothing backing Bitcoin either. That's true, but Bitcoin just has a way different story and value proposition than Dogecoin. I know, I was being a little facetious. I know. <laughs> All right. You on. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And don't forget to reach out to us if you want to share anything with us, because we love hearing from you. All right. Bye.